Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Recovery Friends Podcast. My name is Andy, and I am the host of this show. Um, the Recovery Friends Podcast is a show where people who are in active recovery from addiction share their unique experience in the hope that listeners still in active addiction can identify with their stories and find hope for their own recovery. We are not affiliated with or do we speak with any 12-step programs or any other addiction or recovery-based entity. The words spoken here reflect the experiences of our guests and not the opinion of their chosen path to recovery. Today's guest is Luke E. And Luke, um, he and I tried to record this podcast a few times, um, at least once that I remember. And we just weren't able to uh, make it happen. And we finally were able to, I think it was earlier this year, um, so yeah, I'm, I've, um, you know, just kind of decided I need to put more of these out. I've got two in the bank, so, um, this will be the first one. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, I know I enjoyed recording it with Luke. Um, so, um, here it is. Recording. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Cool. Um, all right. Finally, we get this done, huh? It's been a long time, man. We've <laughs> been planning this for a while, I think. Yeah, dude. Actually, it's been about two years since I've actually done an episode. This is back b- before March of what, 2020? Yeah. Okay. I think the last episode I did was Fib, and that was like in February of. Uh, well, actually, no. So I guess it's been a year. Maybe. I think fi- I did Fib in 2021. Okay. Okay, I'm tripping. Yeah, I know. So it's been a year since I've, a little bit, not quite a year since I've done an episode, actually. Okay, I'm wrong. Um, still still a long time. You were, you were turning them out there for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And w- what's cool about it is, like, I, in my mind, I always thought that I had to crank one out every week but it's not it's like it's just a resource that's online you know yeah um so why don't you get a little bit closer to the mic bring the mic a little bit closer to you i want to be able to okay cool how's that that better oh much better okay because yeah, i have a bad habit of getting into the mic so um <laughs> you need to offset me um so yeah uh luke is here today with us and um yeah we uh, how long have we known each other I think I met you right around when I got sober, which will be about maybe eight years this come in February next month. Wow. February what? Uh, 11th. All right. I'm February 8th. Okay. Yeah. And I'll be, I'll have 10 years. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think I've known you pretty much the entire time. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I think, uh, I remember, I remember when Lambda was on Rampart. Was it Rampart? Oh, that was like five lambdas ago yeah the the one with the where there was a big crater into the ground in the bathroom i think so yeah, yeah. There you was had like to straddle the, it to use the toilet you had like uh they had the the room on the right and then they had a room on the left and then the bathroom and stuff was like yeah in the back left yeah that was a sketchy building like a sketchy area i got like i mean they've always had it in the same area but for some reason that one just seemed extra sketch 
It was. Uh, <laughs> but it's funny to think back on, like, how much time I spent there early on. Yeah. That place was so important, you know? It was like, I I did not care where it was. <laughs> I just, I was like, I needed to see these people every day. And it... Uh, and you were there a lot, because I know I would go there sporadically, and I'd always see you there. Oh, yeah. That, that was a lot. I was there, yeah. Most of the day, almost every night. Wow, really? Yeah. So when you got sober, you just, you weren't were, were you working? No, I wasn't in school. Yeah. I um I had nothing going on, and I needed something. Yeah. You know, I used to sitting in a bar for twelve hours a day. Yeah, uh, I just, I needed something, somewhere to go, and it, it was. <laughs> and so, it, and you, yeah, you didn't go to treatment. Or detox, or yeah, I did. I uh, I went to a, a medical detox. Okay, and then uh, from there, you know, they suggested uh, treatment. Yeah. And after that, about a month long program, and uh, and that really when I got out of that is when I, I felt really lost and yeah, you know, alone because I had this little bitty crappy apartment in Mid City and uh, didn't want to be there. Uh, didn't mind being there when I was drinking. Yeah. Like it was actually pretty, pretty nice to be there when I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, trying, trying to be sober there, I just couldn't. Um, yeah, being alone in early sobriety is fucking horrifying. It, it's a bad idea. Yeah. I know that obviously not everybody has, has the, the ability to avoid that. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, I've thought a lot about folks uh, trying to get sober these last couple of years. And yeah. Um, it's it, it just the thought of it's pretty daunting to me. Um, it sounds to me it like. sounds impossible almost. But I mean, I know some people that got sober during during lockdown and stuff. So it's like, I guess it's possible. Zoom, as much as people hate it, um, really was like a godsend. Oh, it really at was at the time. Yeah, especially if you bought stock in Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Of course, <laughs> it was a. Uh, The charm kind of wore off after it, a while. Yeah. And I started, you know, it was like, oh, now I'm spending five minutes online shopping. And then all of a sudden I look up and I have no idea what anybody said. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, dude. Like I, I would uh, log on and just like turn my, my camera off and just kind of like hang out. Turn the mic, turn the, turn the speaker off too, you know, <laughs> just like <laughs> logging on to the meeting just to log on at one point. Yeah. It got. It got weird for sure. I had a, um, I had some buddies who we, you know, against everybody, against, you know, recommended, uh, I guess recommendations, we would get together and smoke cigars. And that was kind of like, you know, sober buddies. And, uh, yeah. that was kind of nice that we, that we were able to do that. Um, I, I had a sober, um, I guess a sober pod. Yeah. Like one or two people that I really didn't lose contact with um, during the whole thing, and it was absolutely vital, you know, for me. I don't know what I would have done if it hadn't been, yeah, for those couple people who I just we just decided, okay, we're not going to see anybody else, but yeah, and we'll take time to see each other once in a while. I know, and we were all yeah, and it's funny though, like, dude. So have you gotten COVID? Honestly, I think I got it back in February of 2020 uh, and just didn't know I had it. You're one of those. But I haven't, like, never been tested and positive. Yeah. I feel like the uh, people who got it before it was a thing are kind of like, I got it when it was underground. 
I got <laughs> I got it before it went mainstream. You know, people like take <laughs> take weird pride in the fact that they caught it. Before. I can't wait for the tattoos in the next like five years. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been crazy the last two years, uh, but you're about to make eight years. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And um, it's incredible. Um, it's uh, and it's really cool that we can uh, get on here and and. Uh, like doing this podcast has been a blessing. I haven't done it in a while, but it's been really cool to have people on and share their story. So, um, yeah, if you want to go ahead and maybe just start wherever you typically start telling your story, um, the floor is yours. You know? Cool. Um, yeah, man. I'd, I guess I'll just I'll start where I started drinking because mm-hmm. that's the interesting stuff, I suppose. Um, I grew up in a, a, a pretty small town in Mississippi. Um which has actually turned into a, it's gotten a, a pretty good, uh, you know, larger in recent years. And, um, what town is that? Uh, Clinton, Mississippi. Okay. Uh, hometown of Lance Bass of NSYNC. Oh, really? Yeah. If anyone's interested, that's my, <laughs> my claim to fame. How did, <laughs> is he like the most famous person from that town? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like we could just end this right now. Like, just, <laughs> Did you know him personally? No, I never met him personally. No. His 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 mama was a, a, a so, the social studies teacher at oh. the elementary school, though. That's pretty cool. But as soon as Instinct took off, they were like, "We're out of here." Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it was a small town. I, I never really got in any trouble when I was a kid. Um, I did well in school, played soccer, was in the band, you know, did all that good stuff, and I. When I was probably, I guess I was probably about 15 years old. My my best friend at the time, we were hanging out in his uh his backyard, and he just said, "Hey, we we should get drunk today." And uh, I, you know, I, I was like, "Okay." I had never never really had anything to drink before, and so we called the guy. There's a guy in the neighborhood. He was like this real sketchy, like 22 year old guy. He would just, <laughs> you'd see him driving like a different car every day up like, and down the street. Like uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yes, know? yes. <laughs> uh, always scheming, you know. And so we, his, we called him. His name was Third. I don't know what his real name was. But. <laughs> so we said Third. Yeah, Third. That's funny. Why they call him that? You know? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I actually never saw the guy after this day. Um, but he. So my friend called him. He said, "Hey, we will get us some something to drink." And he's like, "Hey, what do y'all want?" And I, I didn't want to—I didn't want anybody to know that I had ever had anything to drink before. So I just said the first thing that came to my mind, which I thought was like a fancy drink, and I said, "Get some old English, okay. malt liquor, right?" <laughs> yeah. How old are you? I'm oh, 33. 33. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I remember like malt liquor being like a thing whenever I was in high school because you, you know, because of West Coast hip hop and all that stuff. It was big. It was forty ounces, and it yeah. was they don't you know, they don't sell it in glass bottles anymore. Oh no, they're just plastic bottles. Yeah, I know. I used to drink uh, Schlitz. That's what we would. That stuff is disgusting. We never we didn't have that. <laughs> we had Coors Light and Old English. Yeah, we would drink Schlitz and ride around town, and yeah, my friends would always like stop halfway, and I would get so upset with them. I was like, bro, you got to finish that shit, bro. <laughs> Yeah, what, yeah, people like that always... But they get hot, you know? But like, if you're an alcoholic, you don't give a shit if it gets hot, you know? No. <laughs> well, and that, so that's... 
He said, how many do you want? We said, get a, two apiece. So get four 40s. <laughs> and, he, and we said, how much will it be? And he said, give me 20 bucks. You know, <laughs> they cost like a dollar apiece. Yeah, no. So we gave him a $20 bill. He came back six hours later. Like the corner store's right down the street. He comes back six hours later, uh, get no change. And he pulls these 40s out of his trunk. And it was, you know, it's August in Mississippi. So oh. they were, they weren't warm. They were, he opened up the cap and it was like steaming. Eesh. But man, I drank all 80 ounces of that stuff. And it was like, I had arrived. Yeah. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever had. And, and I really, I, I chased that for a long, long time. Um, went through, you know, I got in trouble in high school. Directly because of drinking. Uh, I got, uh, my senior year, I got expelled. I got caught, it's a very uncool story, but I got caught drinking Captain Morgan on a band trip. <laughs> we were in Atlanta. Um, what What did you play in the band, if you don't mind me asking? Trumpet. Okay, well, that's cool. Yeah. Did and, you uh, move to New Orleans to play the trumpet? No, no. <laughs> I moved to New Orleans to... The drink. The drink, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, it was like this first big consequence uh, directly from drinking. And um, it was a weird situation. It was the end of the school year. I was a senior. I'd already been accepted to LSU. It was like there wasn't really a huge consequence. The only I had to go to this kind of alternative school for rich kids mm. in Jackson, which is basically for all the kids who went to private schools who messed up. Um, but we weren't rich. So I spent all summer, you know, working to pay my uncle back because he paid for me to go to the school for about two weeks to get my diploma. Um, it was also at that time, I was super into, uh, you know, other than liquor, I also really enjoyed inhalants. Okay. Uh, gasoline and Axe body spray, like whatever you can. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. God damn, Axe body spray, huh? Oh, you just spray in the sock and just, yeah. And then huff it. Yeah. I didn't do a lot of huffing. I did um my friend my my we would do sometimes an air duster. So that was <laughs> So there was a point where I think there was a couple Walgreens in Jackson, Mississippi where my my face was uh they had printed it out from the security cam from stealing and and using the computer duster in the yeah. store. Um But you know, it was like 18 years old, never really got caught when I got suspended from school, uh, Mama was kind of more upset with the school than with me. Mm. So I kind of flew under the radar. And besides that, I was, you know, two months I was moving away. So yeah, I just kind of felt like, oh, I got, I got, I got out of it. Uh, the, you know, the only thing of note that really happened at that point, my, my grandfather, uh, really great man. He was a, you know, very smart, uh, very loving, but he really, he struggled with alcoholism for basically his entire life. Wow. Never, I don't think he really sobered up until his like mid seventies, you know, until he died. And um, when I got kicked out of school, he came down, um, and you know, he sat me down, and I didn't, I didn't at the at time know what he was doing, but you know, he he kind of did what we're doing now. He told me his story. Yeah. Um, from the very beginning, he told me how he he always kind of felt lesser than and never fit in and then he found liquor and everything got better and then basically his life was just just you know ups and downs and ups and downs you know really good jobs homelessness really good jobs homelessness um and you know unfortunately at that point I didn't understand really what he was you know but it kind of planted a seed of 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 
I think the best way to approach someone who's reaching out for help, you know, yeah. who wants to get sober, or even if you know you just kind of want to let someone know, hey, this I'm is, here, and and this is what happened to me, and this is what happened to me. It, yeah. it's not you should do this or this is going to happen to you. It's it's strictly this is what happened to me. He did say, if you ever get in trouble, you can call me. I'm not going to bail you out of jail. I'm not going to give you money, but you're free to call me. And this um, was like after that band trip mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it was 18 then. Um, and of course, you know, like 18, it just yeah. in one ear and out the other. And, so, and that was the first time you got in trouble with alcohol. I mean, had you been drinking throughout high school and gotten into a few I things? Had. So, so there was, was there a pattern building at that point or? It was just on the weekends. I, I, I thought yeah. about it all the time. You know, something that he said that uh, at that, that talk he had with me, him and my, my grandparents owned a florist, a floral shop up in North Mississippi and. He said, you know, the last time you were here, we noticed that you'd walk around and you would only stop and look at things that had, you know, liquor in them. Like they'd sell these little prepackaged rum cakes. Uh-huh. And I honestly, and I still today, I do not remember that. Yeah. And I don't think he was lying, but it was just in my head all the time, you wow. know. Um, so, yeah, got, you know, got out of high school, went down to LSU in Baton Rouge. And, you, you know, you understand someone from Mississippi like where I grew up, it was way easier to get your hands on drugs than alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible Belt, you just, I still loved alcohol more than anything else. I would spend hours driving through downtown Jackson in places I should not be at hours. I shouldn't be yeah. trying to find a gas station that would sell me beer. My friends could just go next door and, you know, get drugs. And so I moved on to Baton Rouge, which is like, this is incredible. Like I can get into bars. No yeah. one cares. I the first bar we went to in Baton Rouge, so I tried to get a buddy that I met down there. To go get me a beer. He's like, just go get a beer yourself. It's <laughs> like, I can't. I'm only 18. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's, and then, so, I'm in college, and I, um, you know, one thing about that, that point in my life, I had, I grew up in a small town, and I always done, I'd done really well in school, right? I was towards the top of my class. I was in the band. I was in, we had a show choir, I was I played in the band for the show choir, did extra you know, I, I did everything that I was quote supposed to do, yeah. you know, in high school, and I get to LSU and I pretty quickly realize, um, you know, I'm not. There are a lot of people. You're who not, will, yeah, you're not that exceptional. A lot of people who do a lot of things better than me. Yeah. Um, and and then I thought, you know, this, you know, look, I love LSU. It was a great experience, great four years, a lot of things in my life now I owe to that um but I was like you know this isn't an Ivy League school it's not Stanford like and I'm I'm still like kind of you know like middle of the road here (laughs) and but you know what man liquor helped me with that yeah I I started like accepting I'm just gonna get a C in this class you know I'm just not gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I can just quit halfway through the semester and and ride a C and all of a sudden I'm okay with that and that was not my personality (laughs) at all um and yeah, that was yeah. It's funny how it makes you like like I used to th- like when I got sober I'd been drinking for so long that like I legit thought I was really chill that I was a chill guy. And when I sobered up, like I found out quickly that that wasn't the case. I was like high strong, obsessive, perfectionist, like always like trying to like it was crazy, but like I would have told you that I was like laid back and chill, you know? And it's funny how it does that, you know? Yeah, and it was, it was pretty incredible to me because I didn't like being all strung out like that. Yeah, you know, in high school, it's, I spend all night studying for an AP chemistry test, just like pulling my hair out, giving myself ulcers, 
Uh, and all of a sudden, this like magic drink I can drink. And like I said, I'm just, oh, I'm cool. You know, I'm like, uh, I'm just like a free spirit. And I'm just, I'm just <laughs> like, I'm just floating through life, you know? And yeah, I, um, I remember it was also in college. Um, I was probably about 19 years old. Uh, I, I first realized, um, I started kind of getting a, an idea that like something's like not, something's not right here. Um, this is probably not going to be super sustainable. I, I remember the first time I realized that I couldn't go to sleep without drinking. Um, that was, you know, I'd like to say it was kind of scary at the time, but it was more just kind of like, oh, okay, well, that's just what I have to do now. You know, I need to go to the store. Um, it was around that time I heard the, uh, the phrase nightcap, which I really clung on. I love that word because yeah, it was like a nightcap. Yeah. I can <laughs> drink. And, and actually one of my, one of the, the moments that another moment that I, at the time I didn't realize how important it was a roommate I was walking out the apartment to go to the Circle K to get my nightcap and that's what I he said where are you going and I said yeah, I'm going to get my nightcap and he said you know most people don't need a backpack to transport their nightcap <laughs> back from the store you know like a, it's one little drink and I just laughed and said oh yeah 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 um so how many were your nightcap like a 12 pack or something um like a, I'd get the little the pint a pint of whiskey Okay. And then I would still get a, a couple of tall boys. Yeah. Um, you know, just enough to, and then I started realizing, you know, and then, you know, I was probably about 20, 20, 21 and it was, I was drinking about a fifth a night. Um, and I, you know, one morning I woke up and I thought, I, I don't feel that bad. I'm not really hung over. This is pretty sustainable. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and that basically started like a six-year uh, a six-year stint of just n really never being sober. Yeah. Um, you know, never. You know, if you wake up drunk enough, you can't be. You're not hungover. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that, <laughs> that's just kind of the way I operated for the next six years. And um, so, I was, you know, finishing school. Uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do at that point. I had a. I was a history major, which I enjoyed. Um, thought about going to grad school. Also, the plan was to go to med school, right? Because that's just what we were supposed to do. So, took a lot of my pre-med classes. Did okay in them. Took my MCAT. Good enough score to get in somewhere, right? Uh, and, you know, most people would have been like, you know, hell yeah. It's like, let's apply to med school and get in and go be a doctor and then you know, live this great life. Um, and I worked really hard for all that, you know, spent a lot of time studying for those tests and, and the time came to apply and I just didn't do it. Um, and, and that, that is the point, you know, kind of in my drinking where liquor was the most important thing in my life. And every decision I made at that point revolved around how I could drink, you know? And I, and I just thought I can't go to med school. You can't drink like I drink and, and, and go through med school. Yeah. Um, and there were some other reasons, but that was like a very big part of it. Um, which is really crazy to think about, right? Yeah. Like, well, I think like also like the prospect of like, okay, I can't drink like this and go to med school. So that would mean that I would have to stop. And yeah, for me, a lot of times if like something implied that I would have to stop drinking, it was just, boop, that's not an option anymore. That yeah. was it. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's crazy to think about. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So I, you know, I ended up, I got a job teaching uh, high school down here in New Orleans. That's how I got to New Orleans. Uh, I did a, this program called Teach for America, and you, it's like an alternative teaching program, and you go do like a boot camp for a month in the summer, and they stick you in these schools, like these struggling schools. Um, and I ended up in the, you know, New Orleans core, and, um, you know, I, the whole time that I was in school, I was, uh, I was, I was dating this woman. Um, she also did this program, so we were going to move down here together. And, you know, I remember we were deciding what our living situation was going to be. And I was adamant that we should not live together because what I said was that I don't think we're ready for that. It's too much. When in reality, we'd been dating for four years. And I was just like the med school thing. I was terrified of living with somebody else because I knew how I drank. I knew that there are going to be a ton of empty bottles, mm. you know, in my room every night. And I just, I know there's something wrong with that. I know this isn't normal. <laughs> I don't want anybody else to see it, you know? Yeah. And you know, and she didn't have a clue? It, it's probably, though, right? I yeah. Mean, I mean, it's hard to, you know. I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say, well, we were in college and, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I found that, like, yeah, there, there were totally the extent to which my family members or people close to me, not many of them knew the, I mean, I, I did a good job of hiding how bad it was, though. Yeah. Yeah, and it, man, it's so hard to tell when, you know, people who love you, you know, I feel like, and I do, I'm guilty of this. It, when you love someone and you, something's like painful, it's easy to kind of turn the blind eye and just yeah. ignore it and say, oh, that's not really a problem. Yeah. Um, my, uh, when I came home one summer for college, which was an ordeal because Jackson, they don't sell liquor or anything on Sundays. You can't buy liquor after like 8 p.m. and nothing on Sundays. So I had to do all the calculations at Baton Rouge, you know, <laughs> how much do I need? Oh, how many, you know, I don't need this many clothes because I need room in my bag for, for beer and liquor. And yeah, when I opened a, bot, a fifth of whiskey and drank about three fourths of it and just left it on the top of the fridge, you know, for my mom and everyone to see, like, <laughs> I just said, I didn't care anymore, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, so, so we, we ended up moving in together mm -hmm. financially. It made sense. And, and basically what that just meant is that I had to hone my skills at, at trying to hide it, you know, yeah. um, and which it just never works, you know, like you can't just huffing gasoline and act body <laughs> spray in the bathroom with, with, you know, person you live with. It's it. So you were still doing this up until this point. Oh huffing. yeah. I loved it so much. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wish I could relate. I, I mean, like the the, uh, the duster, I mean, we did that a few times, but it was like we didn't get crazy with it. I remember my brother and I huffed a whole can in Walmart once. Like we just were shopping and, and hitting it, you know, and then we do it every now and then. But then they started putting something in it that made it taste fucked up. They also stopped. It was right around the time that I my face was in the, <laughs> you know, hung up in Walgreens that it, you, you had to be like 21 to buy it. Yeah. And I'm not going to take credit for that that law, but it was <laughs> right around that time. You contributed. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I just, I thought that I could, could hide it. And, and, and by the way, you know, this whole time, I'm slowly, like, it's becoming more and more kind of alarming to me uh, what I'm doing. No intention of stopping. 
but it is becoming more alarming, you know, what I'm doing. I Behavior started becoming super erratic. I, you know, part of my strategy to hide my drinking was I, w- I had a, you know, a, a, a fifth of whiskey in the freezer, you know, and when it was empty, I would go buy another one and I would open the new one, same type of whiskey, same bottle, <laughs> and I would pour it in the other bottle and put that bottle back in the freezer and throw away the, the new, new bottle. Because in my head, I'm thinking, <laughs> like oh, she'll never know. It's the same bottle of whiskey, right? But there's still, it, I must have, I did that probably 20, 30 times before That's I started funny. to realize this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I should just throw away the. Yeah. Well, I guess like if she could like open it before it gets like frosty or. I didn't, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. <laughs> I would, just, you know, it was, it was me. I knew I was doing something wrong. Yeah. And I just like instinctively thought I need to do something to hide this. Mm. Um. And so, of course, that, that relationship ended, right? She calls me one day. She'd gone to stay with her family. Um, and she called and she said, look, I'm coming back at the end of the weekend. We're done. You need to be, you know, you need to be gone. And, what's, you know, was really wild about that, that, that kind of sequence of events is, I, I did love her. I, I I was happy. I was happy in the relationship. Um, and so I'm sitting there on the phone. I We still haven't hung up. And what's going through my head is, okay, this relationship that I really, this person that I'm closest with in the world, this is over. Um, I got to find somewhere to live like yesterday. I, I didn't have a car at that point. I used hers. I wasn't, I was in school, but not making any money um and i was walking to conseco's over on esplanade to get uh some some whiskey you know like no one no one no one very well that like this freaking bottle of liquid had caused all of this yeah it was just like muscle memory you know i was just like what's the solution in the problem it was the perfect solution yeah it really was the perfect solution uh <laughs> it, you know when i was like you said you know being a high-strung kid i'd I would get some liquor in me and I could hang out with, you know, I, I was like a hot topic kid. Uh-huh. I dressed it, you know. Oh I, yeah. Patent leather, a lot of patent leather. Yeah. Uh, not much leather, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of black. I'll admit I still buy my jeans at hot topic. They're great jeans. <laughs> um, normal looking jeans. They got those. Okay. Yeah, they do. <laughs> but I would drink and man, I could go to the bonfires with all the football players, you know, mm. all the country guys. I fit right in, you know, it's like I had a country music video. Uh, I'd be like, Hey, you know, what's going on, Jimmy? You know, in my like Marilyn Manson t-shirt. And, um, so yeah, it was a, it was an incredible solution for me, uh, until obviously this stuff starts happening. And I, um, so I moved into this, that crappy little apartment I was talking about. Um, and you know, not that I think that in, you know, the relationships or family or my job or car or any of the things and like could keep me sober, but really being detached from all that and not having to like even attempt to hide it. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I'd lasted, it was about a year. Um, and you know, at that point it was just, it was handles Ataka. Um, and I, uh, I didn't realize at the time, but I was, was having seizures um, from 
not really trying to stop, but just like not, you know, just physically not being able to drink enough. Yeah. And, um, and you know, and my solution even then was, oh, like something's weird happening when I don't drink enough. Well, let me ask you, so in retrospect, you realized you, have, you were having seizures? Like, how, how did you realize that? Oh, from the, just explaining what was happening to the, my doctors when I got, got sober. And they were like, oh yeah, you're having withdrawal seizures. Oh, okay. Well, which, like, which is like. Like the shade, like, or like yeah, with blacking the, out? The DTs, yeah, but full on seizures, they said. Wow. Um, but you would just like wake up and mm-hmm. be like, oh. No. Which is extremely dangerous, you know, yeah. de- detoxing off, off booze um, without medical support. And and I skipped over this. I was in med school at the time. I ended up going back to med school um, after teaching. And, um, and, and I, didn't, I didn't like it at all. You know, I didn't like it at all. And I tried to drop out once. And the dean was like, oh, just take a break. And, you know, we'll give you a semester off. And we'll hold your spot and come back. And. And eventually I came back, and, and then at one point I, I went to them. I said, look, I, I, I got a problem here. Um, and, and I'll tell you, the, I think the, I guess the aha moment I had was I was, I, I won't even say seeing somebody. There was a, one of the four bars I went to every single day. Um, there was a, a woman who I'd met there. And, you know, after knowing her for about a couple of weeks, I was just convinced that we should get married. <laughs> You know, and she wasn't obviously down with that. <laughs> um, and you also, you gotta understand at the time, I weighed about 80 pounds more and my hair was like down way past my shoulders. Oh yeah. And I washed it like once a week and I wore house shoes and uh, stretchy pants to the bar. Yeah. The perfect image of marriage material. Yeah. My, my, <laughs> my, my pickup line was, uh, do you want to go outside and make out? Oh yeah. Yeah. So that, that, and that worked? It was like a number, you know, whenever you're like eighth, ninth time, maybe. Every now and then yeah. it worked. <laughs> yeah. so, so she was just, so she just was like, you know, no, like slow down. And so um, I went home for a little bit, got in my car, went to school. And then my plan was to drive back to the bar right when they opened it, like 10 a.m. and drink some more. And I don't know how to describe it. I don't know, you know, if you take everything that happened to me when I was drinking, everything I did, and put it on paper. This is this is one of the most, you know, nowhere near the worst thing that had happened to me. Yeah. But something just clicked. I was driving down Broad. I know I was on Broad Street, crossing across next to the uh, Crescent City Steakhouse, and something just hit me and said, "If this is how I'm reacting to something this minor." I am like I am in unsavable trouble at this point. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, I went back home and actually called that woman I'd lived with. Um, and I said, I I, I don't know what to do. Uh, I, I you know I'm 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 stuck and I just do not know what to do. Ended up talking to somebody at LSU at the med school I was at and ended up in a detox. That 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 same night, um, uh, which was. You know, it was the first time I ever really had talked about my drinking. Mm. Um, yeah, well, for, you know, for the first like three days, I wasn't really, I was just so out of it. Yeah. I just kind of sat still for 24 hours. But um, it was the first time I ever talked, you know, there was a psychiatrist there and the counselors. Yeah. and First time ever talking about it. 
Yeah. That must have been cathartic, huh? It was terrible. I mean, <laughs> I it was. <laughs> The, the the good part it did it got better a little later yeah but just you know they you know they they they, they give you drugs to you know the the alcoholic detox yeah it's got to be like tapered uh, so the first thing they did they gave me some pill and it made me real like loopy and I was kind of like I could do this, this is nice. detox isn't that big of a deal I, I love sobriety <laughs> and then they started tapering it and then you know they start making me talk to the psychiatrist and yeah that I mean that was the first time I t- really talk to any type of mental health professional. Uh. Um, and all he talked about was my drinking. And I just started sharing all this stuff that I had kind of, I don't know if I had actively repressed it, but um, yeah, it was a lot. And so, and I, I was there for a week and. Um, and you'd never considered uh, going to like a 12 step group or anything like that before you never like meandered into one. No, I mean, this was, I'm telling you, man, it was, it was, I had that realization, a couple phone calls within 30 minutes, I'm in the, the dean of the school's office, wow. he's making phone calls, he had a breathalyzer with him, um, or it's someone like in the student health center had this breathalyzer, and I blew, you know, it was like five times over the legal limit, it was like the middle of the day, I really yeah. had been drinking, it was just, you know, still in you, still in me, that's crazy, and, um, and he, he, it, was, it was like that show intervention. I mean, he was like, all right, we got you a spot. You're leaving like every, what you have with you right now. <laughs> whoa, 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 slow down, bro. No, <laughs> it was right before Mardi Gras. Oh. And so we're driving on the, the Earhart Expressway, and I'm starting to think, well, <laughs> I mean, could, we could just wait a couple weeks. Um, but the person, this woman was just driving me, and she was just like, no, we're going. Yeah. And so this all happened so fast, you know. Um, I mean, thank God. It, wow, yeah. It, you know, That's crazy. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm in this detox place and, you know, the first thing I see when I get there is it was this guy who I learned later that, you know, a couple of days later, he was one of those you know, people who just like in and out. Like his yeah. wife basically drives him in, drops him off. She does her thing for a week and then she'd come pick him up and then rinse and repeat. And wow. he had a, a bottle of Jack Daniels and he's polished it off as he's walking in the hospital and threw it on the ground and went in and, and Huh. Yeah, so th- and this was my first time being around other people who were, you know, trying to uh, trying to get sober. I don't know yeah. if all of them wanted to be there, but um, yeah. I mean, it was it was. I, I had it. I had to do it. Like yeah. I had, you know, no, there was no other option for me. Um, and then from there, you know, part of me being in school, they said, "Look, you." It was like some licensure issues, and they said, "You need, you have to go to this. You have to do this program, right? Yeah, to, to stay in good standing." And so I did a, a, it was about a two month long, uh, treatment, treatment program. Okay. So, uh, so this is where you, you this is not like the first attempt and then of many, this is the first attempt and the attempt that. Yeah. I, I've, you know, never, never had a, a relapse experience since I got sober that time. Wow. That's miraculous. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, that's a good place where we can take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Okay, we're back from break. Um, all right, so you were at Detox, right? Mm-hmm. And you were on Earhart, so I know what Detox. 
which is like the only the only one yeah yeah (laughs) the only one i think so i mean there's like uh, odyssey and there's a um i'm not even sure if that was it might have been around when at that point but yeah it's the only you know and it's the location's nice because it was hard to my my attempts to escape <laughs> my plans to escape were thwarted because like I couldn't like, yeah you're way the hell out there you know they take away your shoelaces and your belts I was gonna be like shuffling down the Earhart Expressway <laughs> just with no shoelaces falling off yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so so did um while you were in there did uh did people come in and talk to you guys or what, 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 do you remember much about it or just uh it, it's funny you say that because it the only thing I remember from really clearly from that that it was it was about two weeks was sober people who came in um to to talk to us you know and and it was a detox like half the people were were nodding out not a lot of people were paying attention i, I probably wasn't paying the most attention I, I don't know what anyone said yeah i'd still see a lot of those folks around today um i don't remember what they said <clears throat> but i remember I do remember thinking, like, what in the hell are these people doing here on a Friday night? <laughs> they could be anywhere in the world. I'm, you know, locked in here. And they have, like, willingly come here, you know, to try to help us. And um, Do you remember what you're, like, aside from that, do you remember, um, like, what you thought of what they said? No, man, I, you know, no. I'm just so, <laughs> so out of it. Yeah. Um, but, but I do remember thinking this is kind of strange. Yeah. Um, which was kind of enough because, you know, I look back on it now and it's, you know, I kind of think how incredible it is that there are people who are willing to do that, yeah. uh, for especially, you know, you go in, you go in a detox center, like I've said, it's it, hardly anyone's paying attention. People are, you know, they're medically detoxing. Yeah. They're, they're really not. Yeah, I, yeah, I find that like when you go to a detox, it's like you might as well. Like a lot of times, you feel like you're just talking to the walls. Yeah, but and and I, they probably thought that about me. But something, <laughs> something, you know, got through. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, and so I basically I went, you know, once the the doctors cleared me to leave there, I went straight to this um, rehab program, and um, and it was. And it's just specifically for medical students. No, it was just one that they they basically said you got a list of three that we'll approve. Pick one. So this is like a outpatient. Yeah, yes, outpatient yeah. treatment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And uh, and it was it was it would be twelve step based. Yeah. For the most part, and um, also it's like medical, you know, um, intervention. I I was taking oh, I can't and abuse. Hmm. Which I never drank on, but apparently it's pretty hellish if you yeah, do. Yeah, I've heard. Um, was taking that and, you know, just getting drug tested and breathalyzed every day. And, um, but, but that was more of an introduction to me of, you know, counseling, I guess, uh, you know, group therapy. I'm not sure if that's exactly what, you know, was considered, but I spent a lot of time talking to psychiatrists one on one and therapists one on one and other alcoholics it was a very different situation than that detox facility because everybody was you know coherent and you know not a lot of people were pretty much everyone there was kind of on their you know they'd chosen to be there yeah Mm. and 
Yeah, it was just, it was my first time, you know, getting to talk to other people who, who first of all, drank like I did. But, you know, that for me wasn't even kind of the biggest revelation. It was when people kind of started sharing about really what their life was like before they drank, you know, and how they felt before they discovered liquor mm. uh, and then how they felt after. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> that's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> um, and um, so, yeah, so it was also at this point that I started to, you know, I started to meet more folks outside of this facility who are also sober, um, yeah. you know, and started to kind of, that's the, this was the point where I was going to that Lambda Center. Okay. Um, now, question, mm-hmm? did your parents know that this was going on? Y- yeah, I called, uh, so I have one family member in, in, in the program who lives in the city, uh, mm-hmm. and he was aware the entire time. Um, I didn't call mama until I got out of detox just because I knew she'd freak out oh, yeah. and there's like nothing she could do, you know, like I was better to call her on the other end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I called and, you know, just I told her what was happening. Um, I called, see, I called daddy probably a little bit after that. I let him know. And, um, I like, that's very Mississippi of you. Daddy. I called daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody was, you know, mad or upset. I yeah. did. My, my grandma, she basically said, you know, thank God. Yeah. Did she say, I knew it? Pretty much, yeah. Because <laughs> so this was the grandmother who'd been, she'd been, that granddad I talked about earlier. Yeah. They'd been divorced since way before I was born. Mm. But, you know, the story is, you know, the short time they were married, she put up with enough to last a lifetime. Yeah. Um, and I, I think she, she, I think she maybe, she could was sensing my behavior when I was in school when I still lived back in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. She kind of knew what was going on. Um, you know, I'd show up all like glassy eyed to her house in the morning to help her with the yard, and I, she totally knew. Breath, um, breath smell like axe. Body, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so yeah, I you know I, I I let the family know and um. So it's kind of a weird point in my life because I was on this hiatus from med school to get sober. Um, I didn't have a job. I had some money saved up from when I was teaching. And I had some money, you know, that we borrowed from med school. So financially, I was like, okay. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, it was like rice and beans type diet. But I, I was, I was, I could pay my rent and I had nothing to do. Right. So I'd finished this this rehab program. And I think it was probably like four or five months to go till I was going to go back, you know, start school again. And that's that Lambda center is man that carried me through uh, everyone I met there, you know, um, it, you know, we first got sober. It's like this, this weight off of my shoulders. It was, it was, What's that movie with the kids who get chased by that uh that big green flying monster that comes out every like twenty years? Jeepers Creepers. Oh yeah. You ever seen that? Man, take that movie was terrifying. Right? Because it would it would follow you no matter where you went. Yeah. It it, it was terrifying to me until like they revealed that it was a monster. Like for some reason, like on the We thought it was a person? 
like it the you know like something scary whenever like it's mysterious but then once you they reveal like oh it's a monster it's like nah it's just ridiculous you know it's just like it, i lost it lost its but it, it the beginning of it i was like this is fucking terrifying yeah the kids oh there's somebody dumping something in a, <laughs> in a well let's go see what that is yeah, yeah. but it it was <laughs> it makes me you know think of that you know you're running away from the thing like every decision you make is based on how do I not get killed by this stupid green monster? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it dies and it's like, fuck, man, we could, let's go to the beach. We can do whatever we want. Mm. And that's how I felt. I, I, I no longer had this like one thing dictating every decision I made. Um, I didn't, you know, I had cash in my pocket. Um, I didn't have to think about, you know, saving up to have enough to get me through the night. I didn't have to think about, I could go out of town and not have to worry about it. Um, I could drive and not have to be paranoid about getting caught. I could just, everything I wanted to do was totally free. And it was. Yeah. It's kind of like the same, I guess, very similar to like when you first move out and you can drink whenever you want. It's like the, uh, like that freedom of like, I'm an adult now, you know? Next and I was like, I don't have to drink wherever yeah. I go out. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you know, and I think you, I'm sure you've heard it a lot. And I've, I know I've heard it a lot from other sober friends that, you know, that, that super early sobriety, you can have this like really euphoric. Yeah. Like great. You just feel top of the world. And, uh, you know, unfortunately like everything it, that doesn't last. Mm. Um, but you know, addicts and alcoholics, we, you know, something feels good. Yeah. Chase it. Uh, yeah. And I also think like to, for me, I was like, I was just so used to, um, to thing like to that, that thing like you know like alcohol just gave you such an like an immediate like click that like i expected sobriety to be like that like because i had this unrealistic expectation of life because life had been that way whereas like i want to change the way i feel or i want to feel good um i can i can change that immediately my mind still thought that that's how the world worked too you know so you did you not have like that euphoric early early sobriety um I don't I don't necessarily recall that. I do I, I think when I think back I'll go like, man, those were the days. <laughs> you know? Uh I don't know that I was like jumping up and down. But I did I, I definitely thought I definitely had an unrealistic expectation of what the the rest of my sobriety was gonna be. So yeah, I think there was like you know, I think like you said, there I didn't have a lot going on. There wasn't like my life wasn't super complicated. So there so it was like chill, you know. Mm -hmm. I was meeting people um, I was very busy in AA. I had a very simple job. Um, I wasn't rushing to get all everything back, and I was just kind of in a good place. And I think, yeah, it was like I I don't think I had like a like a pink cloud necessarily, but there definitely was like you know once I started like when I, while I was working the steps, but there was a period like in in the beginning, like the first few months where it's like, I started working with a sponsor and then I didn't work a fourth step for a while. And I got like crazy, mm -hmm. you know, like I was like, Holy shit. I remember telling my friend, he's like, dude, I think I'm a perfectionist, you know, <laughs> because I was at work just like stressing out about everything, getting upset about this and that and everybody that didn't do what they were supposed to do. And like, I remember thinking like, God, this is not like me. But the truth be told, that is exactly me. I just didn't know it, you know. Uh, and then when I started working steps, like I had a long period of like, you know, and going to meetings and like socializing again, 
that was pretty incredible. So, uh, and then I expected it to stay that way, you know, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't. <laughs> Life happens. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's exactly the experience I had. I, I think part of what kind of you know, part of what kind of started making me kind of come down, I guess, was. You know, I started to realize kind of early on, and I probably should have gotten this earlier, but as I realized, oh, I, I like, I'm going to have to stay sober for the rest of my life. Mm. Like, there's really, there's no option to, you know, to, to, to stay sober for a little bit, and then I can just, like, start over again. You know, if if, if what all of these folks I've been listening to talk to are true, because a lot of people are saying this, you know, maybe it's time to, like, listen and and pay attention. Um, and, and that at times was kind of, it was really daunting, mm. you know, and, and early on it was kind of, it, it was kind of, I was kind of taking it, you know, one day at a time, but it was like one hour at a time. I'd, I really like watching college baseball and I got sober right around college baseball season started mm. and I'd put on an LSU game and man, it was like, all right, I'm not going to drink for this inning, mm-hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden you put together a whole game, not drinking, um, <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, so I, so, you know, that idea of kind of figuring out, you know, who you are when you, when you get sober has always been really interesting to me because I, I think I'm like you, I was, I was just kind of, I'm just kind of naturally high strong. And at some point I just had to accept that's just like kind of the way I'm wired and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, there are things I need to do to not let it affect my life negatively. Yeah. Um, you know, my little brother. I, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but it, you know, he's the kind of guy you just give him like a backpack and a car and like half a tank of gas and he's make his way and be happy. Just kind of floating, you know, and that just the idea of that just terrifies me and stresses <laughs> me out. And like, that's okay. Like I'm never going to be the person who buys an RV yeah, and just like drives around the country. Um, that sounds nice though, doesn't it? I, see, sounds I, terrifying. I, know, I know. I just don't, not even terrifying. I just like, I just, I need more structure. Like, <laughs> And I'm like, that's okay, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I actually, uh, I dropped out of medical school in sobriety mm. um, because I went back for a little bit sober and realized, whoa, like, what am I doing here? Um, I didn't really mind it when I was in school. I did two years basically drunk, um, just kind of in a blackout and a haze. And so it didn't, you know, I didn't care as long as I, you know, drink at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, I got to do this my entire life. And like, I absolutely hate this. <laughs> um, so that was kind of one of my big, first big, I guess kind of first big moments in sobriety of realizing, you know, kind of a big change. And it was, it was a really scary process to go through that, uh, sober. Um, and it, it was, it wasn't like just like a, a split decision. I spent about a good year planning out, you know, like, okay, you know, financially and what am I going to do for work? And, and once I realized I can make it all work, um, I just did it. That's a big decision too. It's like, like there's so much invested in it already, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, which is like, I, I think like a lot of times, like I went back to school in sobriety too. And I remember thinking to myself, because, you know, I, I, I had two things, like, I, I was conflicted, like, I was like, I, I, I knew that I started things and didn't finish them, that's kind of my MO throughout my life, but then I also 
knew that like when I start things, I have this like weird oblig feeling of obligation. I guess partly because I'd quit so many things to like follow through or like this is the thing and I'm already invested and so I like I gave myself like the the option to quit if 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 I assessed that this wasn't my path because I was just like school sounds like a pretty you know rational thing to do I'm sober trying to get better my life and whatnot and you know I was on the road I was trying to work in treatment <laughs> you know I was working I, w I was at the time working in treatment too and um and I remember th leaving treatment centers that, that I worked at the treatment center and um and just feeling emotionally just drained and and thinking, man, I don't know if I can do this. Um, and I kind of like systematically kind of worked my way out of it and, and to what I do now, which kind of turned out to be a blessing. But it was like a big, scary thing to quit, something I had kind of committed to and, and invested time and money into, you know. Uh, so I get that, like that, that decision, you know. It was scary and it... it but like you said, it, it's so it's so cool to be able to instead of just saying you know, forget this, I'm out of here. Yeah. Like when I was drinking, to like take the time, you know, to like sit through and and you know, big you know, a big thing I learned in sobriety was um, you know, seeking out other people close to you. You know, talk to them about talk to other people about stuff because mm -hmm. um, you know, even today my brain is just like if if I get stuck in like a loop. It's like it. Nothing gets done. It's mm. it's it's dangerous actually for me. You know, for my sobriety to just you know let stuff ping pong back forth in my head. Um, you know, I feel like nine times out of ten to just say it out loud to somebody. You know, it kind of it, the the solution presents itself. Mm. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm just it's kind of my uh, mo also to isolate. So, um, you know that that's yeah. That was I, I guess I would call that like my first kind of big win and you know dropping out of. <laughs> med school <laughs> the first big yeah. win yeah mama was real happy especially because I told her she uh, I needed a job so I went back to school to finish um I had started electrical engineering at LSU in my freshman year there was one class it was my sophomore year pardon me it was a class you needed to take and it was kind of like a weeder course and it was Monday through Friday 7 30 in the morning that was the only option hmm. and I saw that schedule and I said I'm not going to be an engineer. And that's when I switched to history. So, you know, you know, just big decisions based on drinking. But I really did enjoy it. Um, so I actually, I, when I dropped out of med school and I went and worked at a dog rescue. So, you know, I went from, you know, it was going to be a doctor to I was picking up dog crap for a living. Um, but I loved it. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was absolutely incredible. And, um, um, yeah, so I, you know, went back to school and um, finished that. But, you know, this whole time, uh, it, you know, it wasn't, it, like you said, it wasn't that, like, great, happy, you know, joyous life that, you know, I kind of, you know, if you hear people talk sometimes, they make it sound like it's just, like, being sober is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> um, and I guess compared to, like, the way I was living before, yeah. it's pretty great. But, but, you know, like, life happens. And... I remember the first time something kind of see now I look back and like say bad and it wasn't, it was like absolutely nothing, you know, it was like stupid girl trouble. Yeah. Um, that was so just ridiculous and minor. Um, but I was only I'm nine months sober, you know, and, uh, 
You know, you hear people say sometimes that when you, you get sober, you're, you're emotionally and mentally, you're kind of stuck where you were yeah, when, when you, you first started. started drinking. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't know if there's any, is there any like medical or, <laughs> I, I don't know, that could just be some bullshit. Yeah, is that, BS. that, like, is there some kind of like evidence, like scientific evidence I, for it? I'm guilty of spreading it if it's, <laughs> if it's I, not. I say it too, but I think there's something to it. Uh, yeah, the idea. Well, I think that um, you, I, I didn't learn how to process emotions. You know, I didn't learn how to uh, to feel them, go through them, and come on the other side, learning something from them. Uh, because it was always, I feel something, I drink, and it disappears. So whatever benefit benefit i would have gotten from all these like moments these te teachable moments i didn't get them so i then to me it makes sense and then so then you're like you know fucking we're 30 years old you know uh how old were you when you guys over it's 26 26 and like a fully formed adult you know and and, and at that point shit it's fucking hard it's it's 10 times harder to learn shit and you're being forced. It's difficult to get sober as an adult. You know what I mean? And it's not it's not pretty to, yeah. to react to those things like you're 14 <laughs> when you're 26. You know, people <laughs> don't give you any slack, which is okay. And yeah. So yeah, and man, that what you just described is like basically word for word the way I I you know try to describe it to other people when I'm you know when I'm you know you know working with or, or talking to newly sober people who are having the same problem. Um, you know, I got. I have two, 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 you know, older siblings and, or siblings who were, I knew them when they were teenagers and I taught teenagers for, for two years. And like, I'm confident when I say that like most teenagers are pretty crappy people, <laughs> but like, that's okay because, you know, I think normally people, you, you grow up, you're kind of crappy and then you, you go through life and you kind of realize, oh, this isn't the way to behave. And mm -hmm. you just kind of naturally, you know, learn. And like you said, and again, like you said, I, I just never did that. Yeah. I, I never had to. So, so I'm in this situation, the stupid girl problem, which I'm, I'm, I'm processing and I'm behaving like I'm 14 or 15 years old, um, which would have been okay then, but I'm like 26 and, um, and, uh, yeah. And, and, and you know what? Like I got through it. It was, it was, it was the most incredible feeling for me, which is, it's just, it's wild to think I'm 26 and I'm realizing this, but, um, you know, a couple of days later I woke up. And the sun was out, and I didn't think about it. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, you know, and and life was—I guess I was sober for about, you know, two three years, and I'd been doing the thing. I'd been, you know, keeping a real good contact with other sober people, and I'd been, you know, trying to follow advice about being selfless, and you know, and you know, just all the principles people talk about that help them keep sober, spiritual, you know, be spiritual. You know, I didn't know what what that meant. I still don't know. I, to show it. <laughs> I, and, and I even felt like I had some kind of advantage. You know, I didn't have any, you know, I was fortunate growing up. I did not have like a negative experience with the Christian church. Yeah. Uh, when I was growing up, mama took us to an Episcopal church, which, and, and now Christianity in the Bible belt, in my experience, it could be very hateful. Yeah. Um, but we went to this little Episcopal church that was very much a, a come as you are uh, attitude. Um, 
and I wouldn't say I was super spiritual religious, but I like I liked it. You know, I liked going. Everybody was nice. Yeah. They didn't tell everybody they're going to hell. You know, everybody was, <laughs> you know, they loved everybody, it seemed. And so I kind of felt like I had this advantage because, you know, you just meet a lot of people who very understandably have issues with, with religion and even, you know, any types of form of spirituality. And, uh, but I just like, I kind of didn't get it at first. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't. You didn't get the people that were angry at God type th- thing, or you didn't understand the difficulties people had with it or. No, I just didn't just spiritual. I didn't know what it really, what it meant to be, you know, oh. I didn't get the, I didn't get the whole fake it till you make it. Um, I didn't understand that, you know, the idea of the, uh, you know, if you're, if you don't, you know, what they call higher power, not, you know, God, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, but I slowly kind of started to, to form my own my idea of it, you know, just because I just kind of stuck around and just kept, I just kept doing it. And I kept, you know, I kept listening to other people and other people's experience. And I tried to be empathetic and, you know, really be a good listener, which I've never been very, very good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I kind of, I guess the, the conclusion I kind of came to was that, you know, that this, the whole idea of, of living, you know, trying to have some, some kind of spirituality in my life and some kind of higher powers. It's just like, it's a practice of accepting that I'm not the center of the universe, you know, yeah. just accepting that, um, you know, maybe just possibly by chance, like, is there something out there that's bigger than me? Um, and eventually I was kind of able to say, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's feasible. Hmm. So, did, but you didn't. So, did you come in an atheist, or you just, or you just never even thought too much about it? Yeah, I kind of came in apathetic. Yeah. Um. I liked. I liked. Uh, I liked some church services because they were real pretty, and I, I get drunk. You know, if I feel <laughs> spiritual and like. Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day who they're like, "Oh, we did the same thing." Um. <laughs> what like going to church service and just getting high on like. The feeling? No, it being like just going, get drinking, and then go into like I'll go into church, drunk. like, like <laughs> go to like the Good Friday service. Yeah, and it's like very sad, and the music's real pretty, and there's incense everywhere, and it's just oh. like crying. I feel so spiritual, and ma'am, um, I never, I don't think I've ever been to a a, a a religious service, drunk or high. Well, I lie, I lie. I went to a few funerals high. That's yeah, understandable. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so anyways, I, I say all that about the spirituality to say that I, you know, it, it wasn't, I guess maybe about three or four years in, um, you know, my life is getting better, right? And I'm, I'm back in school and um, relationships are all good. I'm in a relationship um, and I just kind of, I just kind of, I didn't, I didn't consciously say, I'm done with this like structured sobriety stuff. You know, I didn't say I'm going to stop talking to sober people. You know, I'm going to stop interacting with them. I'm going to stop doing all this stuff that I've been doing. It just kind of slowly fell by the wayside, you know? Um, and within a year I found myself like I was more miserable than like at the end of my drinking. Um, and I think it's because, you know, when I was drinking and I felt like that, at least I could drink, mm. you know? Um, and now, I, you know, I knew that I couldn't drink, um, but I also knew that, like, I didn't, I, I told myself I didn't know what to do um, in the situation. And, um, and yeah, I was, I was really close to, to, 
to going back because I, I just, you know, if I'm going to feel like that, I might as well drink. Mm. Um, that was kind of the way, what, what I thought. And, um, yeah, so it wasn't, you know, it, it, my, my experience with sobriety has not been all, you know, everything's great all the time. And then you're doing it wrong, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, well then I'm, well then I don't trust your brand of sobriety, sir. <laughs> It sounds like the, it definitely feels that way sometimes, you know. Like, um, I feel like there's, um, and maybe it's, and I will, I will, I'm willing to like consider that it's my, I'm, in, it's my perception of it, you know. When somebody says they're, you know, they do this and things are great, and then, you know, but I also get the vibe sometimes where it's like, if you're struggling, you're fucking up. What do you, you like, like, and, and I don't know that there's that many people out there in reality that are thinking that way, but like sometimes that comes across and I'm just like, come on, bro. Like, can we just all be human here? And, 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 and like, uh, like you, you think that if, if, if you talk to somebody about you struggling, that they're going to think that you're not doing it right. I don't think that. Um, I just, I feel this is, so I just I I think it's like a, a level of self dishonesty that's that 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 um, that can be out there that is unwilling to admit that they're they've had uh, moments of shitty sobriety, right. which is like you know. And to me, whenever I I, I hear that, it, it's just a real turnoff to me. You know, mm-hmm. when people can't seem to uh when everything just seems perfect yeah you know um and maybe it is maybe you know they're, they're very diligent and disciplined and and they haven't but you know i think that life is life and that we're we're alcoholics for the most part we're we're very sensitive and for me speaking for myself i'm very sensitive and undisciplined and um and i can i i can want to isolate and i know that for I need to be connected to people, you know? So I go through periods where I like isolate and I don't go around people and I, not, and I may not go to as many meetings and, um, and I get down in the dumps, you know, and I start doing a questionable things. And, um, I feel like, and then, and then also feel like that accepting those things and getting through them and trying to work through them and being honest about where you're at, that keeps me, relatable to a newcomer too the longer i stay sober you know like i I still have that because the, the the further away i am from from when i got sober the less i'm able to really like t- like touch base and really feel the way i felt when i walked in so it's like a lot of times i gotta i gotta um i gotta i rely on those like current more, more recent moments of like pain and and, and disappointment um, you know, to say, Hey, yeah, I'm still, you know, I still struggle, you know, life's not easy. Um, so I don't, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to go on a tangent. No, no. Well, and that, that, I think that some of those feelings are kind of those like negative feelings Yeah. for me, it's kind of addicting themselves, you know, like I, I, a good pity party. Mm. I love it. Um, I, I mean, I was drinking, I've, 
I don't know if this is still the fact, but I pretty much was banned from playing every jukebox in Mid City because <laughs> I, you know, I would like to just I would put twenty dollars in and just play an entire George Strait album. Mm. Just I just love feeling sad and drunk, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like the best melancholy's thing. really nice, you know. No, it's great. Yeah, and and that's what was so cool about you know drinking is that you could could feel however you wanted to feel. Yeah. If you want to feel sad, feel sad. You can feel sad yet still feel good. Yeah. If you want to feel happy, feel happy. I yeah. mean, you could just and it every every emotion can be intoxicating yeah. when you're drinking. Anger, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. yeah, it And I think that's what's so hard another thing about about what still today was I try to give myself a break when those moments do come up. Mm-hmm. Um cuz it, it's you know, it's only I guess I drank for I don't know. 10 years maybe and I'm probably really hard for only eight and I'm coming up on a year sober and um you know for those those early years that I was drinking I guess you know the kind of the formative years you know um I was surviving with one tool you know just just booze and um mm-hmm. I'm trying to give myself a break about you know I still need to kind of learn some of those skills that yeah I missed out on yeah I think yeah exactly and I think um even having like multiple years sober, it's um, you're still having to live life, and you're not always like applying principles to every moment of your life. No. there's like long stretches of the time where I'm just like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like sleepwalking. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not learning anything. You know? Yeah. <laughs> So like there's I have like very few like learning moments and hopefully like the I they, they they're more frequent but uh, you know you figure you know a few times a year where I have like a real breakthrough in 10 years you know that's like <laughs> oh, that's mine and, you know for me though those moments it it's become what's more important now it's not that I like don't have them yeah it's like can I identify when this is happening yeah um and catch it and I feel like I have been better at that I was listening to somebody speak one time that they, this is someone that everybody very much respects, um, multiple decades of sobriety, um, and she was talking about you know, spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there in my head, I'm just thinking, she is so full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and Please don't tell me who it is. No, know. no, no. But, but the thing is, she wasn't, right? <laughs> I was just like in one of these like points, yeah. and, I, and I pretty quickly was like, is wrong with me you know um but i really thought that you know yeah. and, I, and i and you know what probably too you know i'm full of shit a lot of times i'm 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 speaking out of my ass sometimes too you know like like yeah she probably is full of shit and there's nothing wrong with that yeah <laughs> yeah well you know what she said helped me so yeah. <laughs> you know like um I think there's 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 a lot of times where I'm just still faking it or 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 or, or even like even um I'm um I'm speaking about past experiences you know that I've had it's like spiritual experiences that I've had hmm. but like that currently I don't necessarily like connect to so I'm just I'm just kind of like narrating something that doesn't even feel like it happened to me sometimes so that can come off kind of fraudulent too you know because it feels like i'm it to me sometimes it feels like i'm lying you know when i'm saying when i'm relating something that happened to me but i'm in that moment i'm not really i don't feel like it like it happened to me 
Does that make sense? I, I feel like that right now. <laughs> I'm just thinking about something, you know, I've said, I've shared, and I'm like, that was like five years ago. Yeah. And there's people who I've, you know, close with, who I've been, a, have seen me with some shitty behavior, and they're like, I used to pull the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. But it, like I said, it, it, it's, man, life, it, life happens in sobriety. Mm. And, um, but I haven't, I haven't drank or used, you know, since that initial time. And, um, and I guess that means I'm doing, that's, you know, it's working. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, something's working. Yeah. Here you sit doing a podcast about sobriety. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're at 36 minutes in. Okay, man. Well, this has been great. Yeah. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, dude. I'm glad you came by and did this. Um, I know. I think we tried twice. Yeah, twice. One time I showed up here. <laughs> I was, I was sitting outside on St. And I think and, uh, I, w- I wasn't here. Huh? Yeah, I called and I said, I'm here. And you said, where? Oh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But I live like two minutes away. So it's not yeah, a big deal. Yeah, so good. Thank I you. I spent more time. I spent like 30 minutes getting dressed for this. And I have no idea why. Like, <laughs> I just do like like booty shorts on. I like, got these little booty shorts. I realized that. I'm like, I had stuff laid on the bed. Like, what am I going to wear? <laughs> like, you got, you, you suited up and you showed up, bro. And I appreciate it. And, uh, Thank you for doing this. Um, great story. I'm sure somebody out there is going to relate. Hope so. Yeah. All right. Thank, Thank you. All right, man.